you and I always tell couples, if you do not have a challenge in your relationship before you get engaged, don't get engaged. Pick a fight, <laughs> make up a fight, do something because I want to know, do you have conflict resolution skills and can you get out of it? I'm not worried about, do you, are you in alignment, dead and values? Yeah, 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 oh great, good. You're always good for good times. But when you hit a bad time, do you know how to pick yourself up, wipe off your skin knee and go on about life? If you can do that, great. Now I'm thrilled. I love it when couples have challenges and they overcome them because I know that they're going to be able to do that in the future. Welcome back to the Jews Next Door podcast, where we explore a different topic of our parenting hierarchy each month with the goal of raising the next generation of passionate and committed Jews. I'm your host, Rabbi Yair Manchel, and this episode, we are finishing off our topic of Shalom Bias with a special guest who is known worldwide as the Jewish matchmaker from the Netflix hit show, Jewish Matchmaking. Aliza Ben Shalom is known as the marriage-minded mentor. She's the author of Get Real, Get Married, your guide to getting over your hurdles and under the chuppah. And in addition to her private and group coaching sessions, Aliza is a passionate speaker. And today we will be getting marriage advice from one of the most famous dating coaches there are and how that impacts parenting. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. My pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. I read in an article that taking this role was a real shift in your own marriage. How did you guys tackle that? And I guess an additional question, how did that affect your children at the time? So we made Aliyah two and a half years ago. And when we had talked about making Aliyah, the question was, well, how are you going to earn a living? <laughs> what are you going to do to make right. that happen? Uh, my husband had a business that was in Philadelphia for our entire marriage, and it was located there. So the only way to do that would be to, you know, stay in Philadelphia. Um, and it didn't really seem like a viable option. And I told him, look, I could really work from anywhere in the world. I work virtually online on the phone. It doesn't really matter. And I kind of want to make a go of what I'm doing. And, and it's not a career to me. It's more of this passion. And, uh, I would say like altruism for bringing couples, uh, together. And he said, okay, how are we going to do that? I said, <laughs> like, let's make a deal, right? We moved to Israel and you can like have a sabbatical. You can go on, you know, <laughs> not vacation exactly, but I'll work and you stay home with the kids and help to build the family. And he said, well, what am I going to do? I don't know, whatever. And a year from now, I said, I don't know. You get a sabbatical for a year. We'll figure it out. <laughs> and then I had to record the show the second year we were here. And I said, okay, sabbatical for two years. And then the show <laughs> was releasing in year three. And I was like, I think at three years, they don't call it a sabbatical. I think it's like retired, semi-retired. I don't know what you are. This is the new norm. <laughs> but it's the new norm and it doesn't look like we're switching back anytime soon. And I really love what I'm doing. I really want to do it. And it's not my work. It's really our work because everything that we do is about relationships and marriage. And so now we're talking about how to integrate him and how to work together in this um it's not, I don't even want to call it a business, but in this field, I'll call it in this field. I think that it's very special. So it was more of a slow transition where, you know, he was working full-time at home, full-time and I was full-time at home with the kids. And then over the last 20 years of marriage, I started to build my business and I was working a little more, but not, you know, 25%, 30%, nothing major. And then before Aliyah, we kind of switched to like 50-50 and then it started to shift to, you know, 
you know, he's home full time and I'm working full time. And this is the first time we've done this in our marriage. So it's been only wow. two and a half years in that transition, but it was a very conscious decision. It was something that we spoke about in terms of our children. We personally said, we want to raise our children. And if, it, if I'm not going to be home, he'll be home. So a parent will be here. And, mm -hmm. and that's, you know, what we value and that's what we wanted to do. And so that's the direction we took. It's been, it's been an adjustment. You know, it's hard to not have Ima home and not have Ima available. Sure. But, uh, so but tell us a little bit more about that adjustment. Like what did, <laughs> what was it like for you guys, you know, to work through, I'm sure there's been challenges along the way. I'm saying like, what was, what was it like to work through some of those challenges and in terms of vis-a-vis -vis also, you know, in terms of parenting. So in parenting, we, we've done a good job, I think of kind of like delegating and who's going to be the decision maker. And so when I was home full time, he would usually defer to me and he's like, look, Ema's here, whatever she says, I don't know what's been happening for the last six hours. So I can't tell you yes or no, whatever Ema says, I'm on board. And um, we usually say to our children, listen, we're on the same page, right? So if you ask Ema and Ema says yes or no, Abba's on the same page. If she says yes, he says yes. You know, no double asking. And um, we were joking, you know, like our kids were like, we know, we know you're on the same table. And I was like, right, table, page, whatever it is. <laughs> yes, you got the message, like same. Um, and now it's the reverse. So I, you know, the kids, I'll come back from, you know, one of my traveling, you know, world tours. And I walk in the door like, Ima, can we do that? And we're like, getting used to the, the different roles and we're doing our best to kind of stay in our own lane. Meaning I'm still Ima. I love you. I'm here. Um, we sometimes I'll go out to dinner one-on-one -on -one with one of the kids or we'll go out for ice cream or we'll go shopping and we'll have a day or maybe I'll take them on a day trip because I'm going to Jerusalem or Tel Aviv to speak. And every once in a while, I bring my kids to work and I put them to work. So they either... This one was taking videos and that one was doing interviews and it was really cool. cute. So we try to keep them engaged. I'm taking my daughter with me and we're going to Australia in two weeks. Wow. And, and I said, so yeah, I said, cool. I have two speaking engagements, one in Sydney and one in Melbourne. And other than that, I want to see koalas and kangaroos and I want to see the city. And, and, and I said, I'm not working. A lot of people have said, can we have an in-person meeting? I said, no, I'm going, I'm coming. I'm doing the work that I was asked to do, but I'm going to have some family time and I'm going to make this also. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's a work trip and I'm going to include some touring of the cities. Most cities that I go to, I'm in and out within, I'm lucky if it's 24 hours. So I know. As short I remember as when we were emailing and you were like, I I'm literally going to be there for like in New Jersey for like eight or nine hours. Like there's no way we can like squeeze. It. I'm like, okay, I got it. <laughs> I know I wanted to do it in person. And I'm like, no, I'm calculating the time I'm going to arrive. I'm going to, I'm going to arrive at 3 PM and I'm going to leave at you know, 3 AM to get to the airport. It's like 12 right. hours. 90. I was like, yeah, it's not, it's not going to happen. <laughs> totally. totally. So I'm so, curious, you know, as someone who has set up so many couples you know what would you say are the right ingredients for a successful marriage especially within the context of, of you know parenting with like you know the communication and, and other components right so communication is one of the top things the other thing is being in alignment with your values and your life goals so if i know that what i want to do and be in the world and what you want to do and be in the world and how we want to raise a family are very much in alignment then i know that we can face the challenges that are going to come our way and the way that we face the challenges is through very open communication and dialogue. So it's about letting down the barriers, the walls, all of the things that I grew up with that this is normal to me, but hey, you grew up in a different family. And what I think is normal is 
completely not normal to you, we have to have a discussion about, we have to communicate about, we have to say, wow, you know, like, oh, this is the right way to do it. No, no, this is just how I grew up doing it. You have a different way of doing it. It's not right or wrong. It's just different. Different is one of my favorite words in the English language because it describes something without judgment. It's not good or bad. It's not right or wrong. It's not the same. So I grew up like this and you grew up like that. And when I approach parenting, when I approach relationships, I approach it with all of my previous wisdom and knowledge, and it might be different than your experience. Mm -hmm. And so when we have open communication, I'm able to say, wow, I recognize that you approach, or make it up, finances, right? And how we deal with spending money, which is a very big topic in marriage. We approach this very differently. Tell me more about how you grew up and spending and saving and what was your relationship to money and finances and how did you plan to build a family and how do you plan to balance that? Let, then let me tell you about my ideal and then let's figure out where we're not aligned and how we're going to manage to build a life together with those things intermingled right right one of the things that i feel like you know as you were mentioning like that it, there's just the word different so one of the things i feel like could be so hard for couples is when you know, one person in the in the couple is very used to talking things out and the other is very not used to like they grew up in a family where you know we're all about let's tackle things head on we don't you know try to skirt avoid as much as possible one the other one really did. how do how does how do couples build their communication skills when they grow up and like you said there's such different ways but that different really hurting the the communication in the challenge marriage. in communication we need several different things so one is the actual words what to say and how to say it so that we can get our message across without hitting a block or a barrier the other piece of it which is extremely important is timing so in the moment of a difficult moment actually, we're not going to dig in and have that conversation right now. We're going to actually table it, even though you or I may want to dig in. And the first thing we want to do is solve our problem. If you tackle a problem head on like that, you're most likely to blow up your life and ruin it instead of making it better. And so tabling it and having the conversation tomorrow, next week, next month, before the next time it happens is usually a more successful approach and also when the energy level calms down. So usually in a relationship, one person is more heated, more excited. They need to talk about it. Okay. So whoever's energy is up here that you have to, first of all, assess, am I the one that's, that's high with my energy or is it my partner? Okay. If I'm feeling grounded, maybe I could have a conversation, but if they're up here, I can't. Hmm. And if I'm up here, I know for sure I should not have the conversation now, but I need to get it out. So what we need to do is to do a brain dump. We need to dump everything out. We need to write it down. We need to organize our thinking. And that way, when we are ready to have the conversation, I don't forget anything because I'm most worried about the fact that I know exactly what I want to say. I, I could rattle it off. I, you know, it's all there. But if I write it down, I first of all, I can even take time to organize my thinking. I could look at what's really relevant. Relevant. Do I have to talk about this or could I talk about it later on? And I can move through the topics a little bit more gracefully. And then really only you can even take a tiny part of what I wanted to say, because that's the most important thing and say that now and then in two months address something else. And so I don't like addressing things in the moment. And, and you have to know how to gracefully move on from that. So we will have discussions like, okay, this is a problem. How about if we don't tackle that now? Let's have dinner. 
care. <laughs> you know, let's have fun. Let's smile. Let's laugh. And no, we have a serious problem. I'm not ignoring it. Just right now is not the moment to deal with it. And when, like you said, like there's different energy. So one, one is energy is like, fine. And like, they're ready to say like, Hey, let's have dinner. And the other one's like here. How do, how does, let's say, is that the role of this one who's here? who's like low down and is not is, is okay right now to be able to help that one to go lower down? Or is it like more like internal work for the person who is very worked up right now? And you know, yeah, it's a great question. So it kind of depends on your relationship. And if you've done a good job of building the relationship, you can have code words, you can have different cues, you can have different acknowledgments that aren't judgments. But but the hey, okay, we're not at matching energy levels. Let's just drop the topic for now. We will pick it up later. Even we can put a date on the calendar, Tuesday, 10 a.m. I want to talk about this. Until then, let's go on with life. But you have to have that before you hit crisis. So you have to build your relationship so that when these things happen, you're ready for it. Mm -hmm. And you have to develop that language. And that comes over a period of time as you both learn about each other. And you have to, again, we have to talk about these things not when we're heated. Yes, I think that a person should take responsibility for wherever they're at. But sometimes you're gonna have people telling you, my partner's never gonna believe that they're like this. It's always my fault. And right, they're gonna, I always am calm and they have to bring them down. And uh, everybody's got stories. So uh, in a calm moment, when we can tap into what's really going on and try to connect with our partner more, we can have more in-depth conversations and share. Again, you have to share without it being a judgment. I'm different. I'm not better because I'm calm. I'm just not reactive like that. I didn't grow up like that. You know, for you, it, it takes it to a high level. So, you know, let's just have a plan whenever we peek out in our, you know, connection, you know, maybe I'm ready to talk about it. Maybe you are or aren't ready to talk about it. But let's do it when we're both at a more even keeled level. And there's no judgment. We're just at different levels. But it, it, you, you have to do it very gracefully and very tactfully, or the other person is going to be insulted for sure. Totally. I love what you said in the beginning where you're saying how this comes from building the tools in the relationship. I feel like when couples are first dating and they get into their first argument, they're like, maybe it's not meant to be. Maybe we're like, yes. really, this is not good. And they're like, really, that's a good sign. Like, you, you not yes. a good sign, but obviously you need to work things through and you need to have some conflict and some struggle before getting married in order to see, like, can, can we handle struggle? Can we handle conflict because there's no such thing as a perfect life where there's no conflict and no struggle so right i 100 percent agree with you and i always tell couples if you do not have a challenge in your relationship before you get engaged don't get engaged pick a fight <laughs> make up a fight do something because i want to know do you have conflict resolution skills and can you get out of it i'm not worried about do you, are you in alignment dead in values yeah 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 oh great good you're always good for good times but when you hit a bad time do you know how to pick yourself up wipe off your skin knee and go on about life if you can do that great. Now I'm thrilled. I love it when couples have challenges and they overcome them because I know that they're going to be able to do that in the future as well. Right. I'll never forget when one of my friends was like my best friend, he was dating and uh, he, called, he called me like seven times. I was in a class. So I, I like left the class and I'm like, everything okay? And he's like, we just got into like a huge fight. And I'm like, good finally i was waiting for you guys to get into a fight already like this was ridiculous you guys yeah. were like too good and he's yeah. like I, but now maybe like we were supposed to get engaged next week maybe i shouldn't i'm like no no no. Right. this is perfect this is like exactly where you should be so it's like it's funny yes. like exactly i agree that. that's, that, that's what you want you want a good fight and then yeah get over it and get engaged right <laughs> besides for communication are the, uh, what other components are there for that successful you know marriage successful relationship 
I think play, meaning we have to have, whether it's humor, whether it's just an engine and a, and a banter back and forth, it's a little bit like dancing, but dancing without, you're not physically dancing, right? With the words, with the interaction of a, um, even if somebody's like, oh, I mean, that's not my style to be super playful, but there has to be a level of enjoyment that comes through a relationship. Mm -hmm. And it's very hard when we just have very transactional conversations because I don't feel very connected to you. Mm. But the more that we we're playful with one another, we have a little bit of light humor, nothing. I'm not talking about anything crazy, but just even also like a, a loving look or a glance or a moment where I pause and I'm looking at you like you're the only person in the world that exists for me. There, there has to be something that exists that's I'm going to call it nonverbal communication between a couple that helps to bind them where I don't I don't feel like I need any other attention from anybody else in the world because I have yours and you have yeah. mine and we we know that we're both in it totally I feel like that's why date night date night in marriage is like so important because even amidst yeah. all the craziness in the business you you just say like wait wait hold on let's take a night Let's just go have some fun. If it's a dinner, fine. Or like go and actually do an activity and have some fun with each other. What would you say is in terms of the ideal goal of Shalom Bias, of, you know, marital harmony? Is it is that to get along and respect another? Or is there a deeper goal in mind? I think the deeper goal is to fulfill our purpose together. <clears throat> Shalom Bayit is the vehicle to get there through Shalom Bayit, through peace in the home, through peace and harmony between a couple, through building each other up. We can do that individually and then we can do that together and it elevates our home. It elevates us, it elevates us professionally. It elevates us within our community. And I, I think that if we have this this shalom if we have this peace between us not always again like you said we're a normal healthy happy couple we have ups and we have downs but we should be trending upwards mm -hmm. as opposed to trending downwards or just flatlining which is a problem but when we have this peace this communication this connection this oneness between us then it brings out our best selves and then we can be successful in everything that we do in every part of you know, our i i think that Peace in the world begins at home. Home. You have to have peace at home to run back into the world and do everything else that we need to do. And in your own world, when we have peace in our home, we have peace within ourselves. We can raise our children in a beautiful, happy, healthy environment, and we can build ourselves up. And it's just a lot of work to do that. It's, it's like... Yeah the greatest work it's it's painful it's challenging sometimes there's tears involved it's not always sweet it doesn't always feel very peaceful but it, the end result of it is that totally totally and i once heard from dr norman blumenthal an ekg is a sign actually you know like if when there's spikes that's actually you know and maybe sometimes they're going up and maybe some like a very high but that's actually a sign that someone is still alive like right. you said before, if there's flatlining, then it's not alive. The right. the you know the ups and downs really sign that this marriage and this you know this partnership is really it's alive. It's 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 very it's alive. It's fine. Um, you know when well is is struggling, right? So what what can you know how do how do they get themselves out of it? If you know obviously they're the people like what what can they do to to get themselves out of that hole? And I guess to go in the parenting route, can they have those goals in front of the children, or should they kind of try to? you know, make face and that it, you know, albeit on the show, show everything's just like incredible in front of their children at all times. First, I think we have to go back to the foundation. Why did I pick you? Why did you pick me? What are our goals together? 
what, where do we even begin? Like, let's go back to the foundation of how we got to even choosing to be together. Let's remind ourselves of, of that sweetness of where we started. Most couples, not all, but almost all start with a, a very sweet beginning. And then we get to a different place in life. Some people start with more challenges or it's a little harder for them to overcome it, but most people have a sweetness um, in the beginning of their relationship and in their marriage, and then they face the challenges as they go along. So reminding ourselves why we got in it, first of all, it pulls us out of this direct moment where we're struggling. If we pull ourselves out of this moment, then we can have a big timeline picture. Hey, we're together for our lifetime. We're struggling today. We've been struggling for the last six months to a year. Okay, but we've been married for the last five years and maybe four out of five or three out of five. We're decently good and we've only been struggling for a little bit here and there. And God willing, we're going to be married 20 years, 30 years, 50 years, 60 years. And this is going to be a blip on the map. So if we zoom out and we get perspective, I think it can help us to take a deep breath and go, okay, now let me deal with my problem. Really the question is what must be dealt with and what really doesn't have to be dealt with? And it's a very difficult question to answer. And I think half the time we're probably wrong. Like what you think you have to solve now actually really doesn't need to be solved. And the anxiety of you needing to solve it is what's causing the problem. And if you just knock it off, you'd actually have a great life if you'd stop having anxiety about how to pay the electric bill. Either the bill's going to get paid or it's not going to get paid. They're probably not even going to cut off your electricity. And in two months, you'll figure it out. And, and you can't, people can't live like that. They're like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, no, that's, I mean, I can tell you that's what happens. Oh, we have hospital bills because, you know, this one broke their arm and this one ended up with that. Okay. And we have $847 worth of hospital bills. Okay. You know what, with hospital bills, if you don't pay them, they'll just keep billing you and they'll keep waiting for your payment. And if you can't pay it today, so live your life and stop fighting with your partner and you'll pay them another day or another month or another year. And people are like, what? Oh my God, like, what are you talking about, right? So if you framework things and, and put in front of you, my marriage is the most important thing today. Paying the bill actually is not, although I think it is, but my marriage is the most important thing today you know what, I'm going to put the bill over here and I'm going to pay it when we can pay it and we're going to deal with it when we can deal with it. And together with my partner, we'll figure that out. Or, hey, I pay the bill, so I'll figure it out. And when you come with a new idea, which by the way, I think some people are going to be like, she's crazy. What kind of advice is this? <laughs> I'm only giving you advice that I've taken myself. But when you don't focus on those things, you stop getting anxious and stop getting upset with your partner. And then you can enjoy your life with your partner. And the bill is still going to be there tomorrow, but the fight will not be there tomorrow. So that's, I mean, like, okay, so we're going to have a, like, let me make up my mind that for the next six months to a year, I'm going to let that bill sit and I'm going to still have Shalom bite. It's, it's, I mean, I'm telling you it's freedom. Oh, you're going to have creditors calling you. Okay. Do you know what they do? They just keep calling. But if you're busy fighting with your husband, now they're calling and they're fighting with your husband, or they could just be calling and you're not fighting. You know, like, <laughs> I'm just giving perspective. Mind blown, totally. Um, when I figured that out, it just really saved us a lot of stress and anxiety and hassle. And money is one of the biggest reasons that people get divorced, which is why I'm bringing up the topic of money. But it could be about anything. Um, it could be about, I'm just going to say, it could be about school and like, oh, we really need to put a kid in a different school. And I want this and my partner wants that. And, and they're still somewhere and I'm upset about, it. you know what? So maybe they'll go next year. It's okay. 
Like you need to have Shalom Bayit first and the rest of it you're going to figure out. And when you put Shalom Bayit above everything else on your list, then the anxiety about everything else should go down if you're doing it right. And keeping that relationship together should be the number one thing. Because if you don't, then you're going to have to have a new school with a divorced spouse that you're going to have an even harder time figuring it out. If you think that having one husband or wife is hard, try having two. It's not so easy. And then making new decisions is very difficult. So when you reframe and you realize I have to keep this relationship intact, it's more important than anything else on my list. And then you ask the question, how can I do that? You really have to take a deep breath and see if, if and how you can do that. And when you do it, it's amazing. There's such a relief that comes. But let's go back now to the question, which is, yeah, yeah, but we're having a problem today. And like in front of the kids, not in front of the kids, do we close the door? What do we do? Um, I think that there's both ways of going about it. I think in general, we should work hard to show children the beautiful side of a relationship. But if you do not show the realistic side, then they actually don't know what a marriage is and what a marriage means. So if you do not show them, yes. Okay, so if you show them we have a conflict and we can overcome it, then that's beautiful. They learn conflict resolution. But if you show them when I get angry, we scream and yell and scream and yell and slam doors, and then we have a problem. Now we just taught them how to fight, but we didn't ta teach them how to get over something. And, and that's not really what we want them to learn. So if you need to have what I'm going to call a blowout fight or like really like everybody's heated and you must solve it in the moment and you're going to just do it, you know, close the doors, send the kids to a friend's house, hash it out, work through it kiss and make up and move on and, and let it out. But that's not what children need to see. They do not need to see you at your peak. They need to see you at your low or midway of working things out and having disagreements. Like, you know, we're fighting about where to go to dinner. Okay, I want this, you want that. No, I don't like that food. You like this food. Okay, let them see the bickering. So I would say like bickering, and I don't like bickering at all, but if you're gonna show one side of it, show them how you get through that and you have to have a solution. And then, or even like, we don't have a solution today and tell them, well, we're gonna figure this out, but we're gonna deal with it tomorrow. Today's not the day. So teach them. Yeah, we had a problem. Yeah, we faced it. Actually, we don't have a solution for it. Hey, we're gonna go out to dinner anyway, and we're gonna deal with it another day. And show them how to have conflict resolution. But anything that's big or ugly, that's not what we want them to see. That's like, hi, I don't have good character traits. And even though I've been working on myself, I didn't fix myself enough and neither did they. And we're having one of those moments. And in general, those types of moments should happen in a marriage like once a decade, you know, <laughs> like if you have a, a blow out something like I really, if you're having that consistently, get therapy, get support, learn better conflict resolution skills. It's not what you want to see. Um, but and then if it does happen once and the kids see here, no, whatever, you can say, right. And, and we had a big situation and we worked through it and we didn't do it the right way, actually. I wish that we had handled that differently. Own up to it. Say, hey, I'm not perfect and I did it wrong. And and I don't ever want to do it like that again. And I hope I never do. And like, hey, wow, I've only ever done this once, one other time in my marriage and and we did it wrong. But but now you know the difference and I'm telling you it and I'm you know, sorry that I couldn't do it right and, and lead by example. So I think it's also fair to own up to our mistakes and to say I'm not perfect and I'm working on myself and I hope we never see or hear anything like that again. Totally, totally. What about when that conflict is coming from a place where, you know, let's say one of the couples has maybe changed a little bit 
after marriage, right? Like either you could say like religiously or maybe like has shifted their views on different things. So how do, how do they resolve that type of conflict? I feel like that's like a, like a, a little bit of a bigger type of conflict. Yeah, it's really difficult. A lot of people feel like I wouldn't have gotten into this marriage or this relationship had I known that you were going to be like this. But mm. once you're in it, we don't really have a choice. I mean, we always have a choice. You can just disappear and leave and say, no, thank you. But I think that we have to look at the situation and first of all, get over the fact that we didn't choose it. We just have to accept the fact that my partner changed. Mm. This is very different than the life trajectory that I expected or desired. And I have a choice. My choice is to stay and figure out how to make it work. Or if I'm not going to do that, then I'm not going to make everybody miserable and like fight against this whole thing. If I'm really going to bail and say, this is it, it's completely unacceptable. You have to just, you know, like make a decision about what you're going to do. Um, I really like that people go to a place of acceptance. This is what it is. I don't like it, but I understand it. Now, how do I move through it? And, and then say, get the support that you need. I personally need support because I didn't expect this to happen and I don't even know how to talk to my partner. Great, go have a whole bunch of conversations with people in a field or an industry that can really support you and move through this a little bit more gracefully so that you're not struggling to even, like don't have the first conversation with your partner, have that with a therapist, a mentor, a coach, somebody in your life, a friend, a coworker, somebody that can guide you that has wisdom and have the first conversation with somebody else and then figure out how to have the right conversation with your partner. Yeah. Yeah. That's smart. Would you say that nowadays people are more like likely to just say like done? I feel like there's like this like notion now that people are more prone to just saying like, I can't even deal with this. Like I'm not. Most even people just say like, that's it. I'm out. I didn't buy into this. I'm not buying into it now. No, thank you. Um, and then they come to me and they're like, hi, I need to get remarried. And I'm like, oh, why did you get divorced? And then they tell me and I'm like, oh, that we could have solved. And, and, you know, finding a new partner, not so easy. And, and the partner that you had really was a good partner. It was just different than your expectations. And often what they find is what they have to settle for or accept in somebody new is exactly what they should have been okay with, with somebody old. It's just a surprise that came along later and they weren't prepped for it. So we work really, I mean. If I could save a marriage before it breaks, that's my preference, especially if there's a good foundation there, even if they're struggling now, if we can give them the tools that they need. It's just, I'll just say it like this. It is not easier to just close shop and move on and like, I'll just start fresh and we'll start from the beginning. It's often very complicated, especially when there's children involved uh, at all different ages and stages, um, unless it is a hardcore deal breaker, you know, abuse, addiction, and things in a category of um, not acceptable, then, then you know, I'd, I'd prefer if it's lighter than that, that we work through it. I mean, like that we really, really work through it as much as possible. Right. What if they're noticing that their shalom bias issues are affecting their children? Like, what are they, I mean, like, like you said, it's more complicated when children are involved. Like, what are they, they're already noticing, like, oh, right, like, we're really like, we're messing this kid up. We're messing these children up. Like, what are we... I mean, divorce isn't going to mess them up any less. So showing them that you can work through something or that you're trying to work through something is 
is beautiful if you can and if you can show them that in the end there is a resolution and and hey we have a conflict and now we have a solution and now we have another conflict and now we have another solution and that we keep working towards something it's nice to see these mini wins you know with homework they tell kids often or i've heard this advice start with the easiest thing do it get it done in five minutes boom move on to the next thing oh it's heavier okay good but you did the five minute thing now we can do the 10 minute thing good now we do the 30 minute thing now we do the research project great so build it up and start with the smallest problem that you have, solve it, create a win, and then move on. And I think that in, it goes like this with children. We are all going to mess up our children to a degree. We are all human. We all have pluses. We all have minuses. And our marriages all have beauty and challenges. So to a certain degree, we're going to all, quote, mess up our children. But the only way that I know to fix that, whether you stay together or you don't, is through unconditional love to the children. So even if you can't fix and unconditionally love your spouse, if you can at least unconditionally love your children. I love you. I love who you are. I appreciate you. I care for you. I want the best for you. And they know my parent loves me. They might not like what I'm doing. They might not like who I became, but me they love. My actions in the world, eh, I don't know if they like what I my decisions are, but they love me no matter what. They will be there for me even if I'm completely different from who they are or I go in a different direction. I will be loved and never left, never abandoned by my parents. I will be there. I love them. And, and you don't always get that from two sides. Sometimes you only get that from one side. But if you at least get that from one side, then your children as you know, messed up as they potentially could be, will know that their parents always have and always will love them. And there's nothing more stabilizing and secure than that. In the it's life. so powerful because I, you know, I've, I've heard so many, I've, I've, I've interviewed so many different guests and they, everyone always talks about unconditional love, but that, what you just said, how it really fixes the, you know, whatever messing up we're doing in a way, it, that's very powerful. That's very powerful. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It's the only thing that I found to, to fix it. I've done a lot of my own research on this. And I would tell you that my, I would say that my mom taught this to me, that she always offered unconditional love. And she was very clear, like that behavior, that thing you did. Mm -mm, no, no, no. You, I love you. That, no, don't do that again. Right. So I always felt like even if I made a poor decision, it was the decision she didn't like. It wasn't me. It was the decision that she wasn't in love with. It wasn't me. She always had that appreciation, that love for who I was, and she supported me. She didn't always support the decisions, but she always, always supported me. And and we have our challenges and we have what to overcome, but I never, like in relationships, there are three different types. We talk about attachment style. So there is secure, there's avoidant, and there's anxious. So for me, I always had a secure attachment style because of that. And I think that if you give that to your children, they will have that. They're not anxious, awaiting your love or like avoidant, like, oh, you never give it anyway. I'm not facing you. I'm not dealing with anybody. They just, they know that it's going to be there. They expect it to be there. They give it to other people in that same way. And it, again, stabilizes and grounds them and, and helps them to be really healthy humans. And that language is amazing. Also, the language of saying, I love you. I don't love that. Like that's that right there. That's such a great like script in a way for parents to use. It just it's just it's perfect. It's, it's amazing. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. That's awesome. Thank you. Would you say, you know, especially you've been doing this for so many years and now you're doing it in like a very, I guess, different way with like the Netflix, you know, that, that whole component. Would you say that you've seen changes in the, 
I guess the challenges that people have, have, you know, like the issues that couples face in, you know, today's fast paced world, or are they, are they the same types of issues that have been coming up? I think both. I think we have all the traditional issues that we've always faced, whether it's finances, family, location, kids, career, all of those things are very similar. And what's very different for us today is that we live in a very fast paced world and we have non-stop options. So in, in the dating world, in the relationship world, if I don't like you, I'm going to find another you and hey, I'm just going to keep trying. And even though it's just as hard, I mean, it's almost easier today to find somebody than before because we have so many options, but it's harder because you're good, but are you good enough? And I should mm. search for somebody else because there's another right. 10 it's like people. I can always just like. <laughs> I mean, I, I can, I mean, even I get married, I could get divorced. I could pick somebody else. We also, have like, a break. It's so interesting. I never thought of this until you just said that, but like with like Amazon, like if you get something and you don't like it, you could just return it and just buy it again and you'll have it in, in two days later. It's like not a big deal. In two days. <laughs> in two, you know, we moved to Israel and it's like in two weeks, but you can still get it and you can still get it delivered for free, but right. only if it's in with a certain price, right? We got a few more restrictions, but you get stuff so fast and you get what you want. And mm -hmm. if it's not what you want, like you said, you return it. And even if it is what you want, if you don't like it in two weeks, you buy something new. Yeah, and it's yeah. not, we don't live in a society where it's normal to just keep what you have. Like I have clothing, I have outfits from a decade ago. I buy stuff with a certain quality and a certain brand and I like the style and I just keep it and I don't care if it goes in or out of style. It's good, it's quality, it makes me happy and that's what it is. But but I like, you know, I, I'm a little bit older than the, the new teeny boppers <laughs> today. So like I'm from a generation that like kept things a sure. little bit more. I also learned more about saving than spending. Mm. And I think that we are a very spend culture. And I think that we're a very disposable culture. And so we can just very quickly and easily replace what we have. But I just uh, with relationships and love, it is extremely difficult to find what you want. And when you find it, it is forget about it, like nearly impossible to replace it. It's much easier for me to help somebody fix what they have than to try to find something new because something new involves a lot of complications with your whole history of who you are and then all the baggage that you come with and everything like that. It's just much easier if we, we stick with what we have and we figure out how to fix it. Right. So I guess, you know, on that note, in terms of like best to stick with it and fix it, at what point does, is it like, okay, we need to go to therapy as a couple. We need, like, what's like the point when a couple should say, you know what, you know, we really need to, we need to go that route. Okay. So in the beginning of our marriage, we had the normal, whatever couple struggles that everybody has. Um, although not everybody, there's like 2% of people that have like no struggles in the first year and then they experience it down the road. But most people <laughs> experience it in the first, you know, three, five years. And, um, I kept saying, you know, like, we can't afford to go to therapy. Like, yeah, like, it's too expensive. And it's just, we just can't afford it. We can't afford it. We can't afford it. After about four years, I said, we can't afford not to go. Okay. We can't afford not to go. I don't care what it costs because we need new tools and we don't have the right tools and we never learn this. And if we don't figure it out now, we're never going to get to year 10. They're, forget about it. We're going to be done. We need new tools. And we went... Um, to couples therapy together. And we did even like a couples group therapy, which was a very interesting thing to do. And we were there for almost two years working on our relationship and our marriage. And, and it wasn't 
pretty. It was like, it was like the struggling <laughs> moments where sometimes like you're in a good place and you know, you're going to go to a session and you're like, you're going to break us. You're just going to actually like, we're don't ruin us. We're in a good place. Stop bringing up problems, but you're there to fix things that aren't a problem in the moment so that down the road, you know, it'll be easier. And at us after about two years, we said, okay, like, let's take, let's take a breather. Let's see if we can do this on our own. And then we'll get help here and there as we need, but, but we put in really, really strong effort. So I think at the point that you can't afford not to go, if your marriage is suffering so much, if you don't have any new tools and you haven't come up with any new solutions and you keep having the same circular debates and arguments mm. and discussions, then right. you need new tools. And it's not, you don't need a new partner. You just need new tools. Mm. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Wow. It's very strong. If you, you know, I'm curious, if you had to choose between children enhancing a marriage and children placing stress on a marriage, which would you say is more correct? <laughs> tough, tough I know it's a tough question. I'm, I'm, I've been thinking about this myself a lot. I'm like, this is, you know, it's a hard question. <laughs> uh, my answer is that I think that children place a tremendous amount of stress on a marriage for sure, hands down, they enhance a marriage. At the end, the result is an enhancement of a relationship and a marriage. But in terms of day-to-day -day what you deal with, it's a lot of stress. It's lack of sleep. It's financial stress often. It's disagreements in parenting. It's educationally challenging friends, family, community. Like if I keep going with the list, it's a never ending list of all of the challenges that are going to come up that make us the greatest people that we can be, that make right, them right. the greatest people that they can be. And at a certain point, yes, you hit the la, it has enhanced our marriage. But I mean, we're married now almost 21 years. We have five children. Our youngest is 10. Our oldest is 19. We made Aliyah two and a half years ago. And, and I would say that we're at a really sweet spot in our relationship, in our marriage with our children. Like we got through the diapers and the whining and the crying and the sleepless nights. And, and now we, we, we have a dog and now she just had puppies. And so like, instead oh, wow. of children, now we have puppies. I'm like, dude, this is so much easier than children. <laughs> But now we're like at the sweep spot and they're like nurturing and taking care of the puppies and everybody had, and there's six of them. So there's oh, like wow. we have all these little. Your yeah, family just got so much bigger. We just, yeah, they're like, Ima, she had more babies than you've had. You've only had five. She's had six. And I was oh, like, man. you're right. And you're um, like, it's a good thing I'm flying off to deal <laughs> I'm so grateful I was there for the birth and now they're two weeks old. They're the most, I mean, I'm telling you, they're the most oh, wow, adorable. Like wow. We're going to totally do it again. How could you not? They're so cute. Awesome. But, um, but I think that children place a tremendous amount of stress on a couple. We have our own stuff to deal with. Now I got you, I got to deal with you and you and you and you and you. <laughs> and like, right. oh, everybody has their own direction and what they need and who they are. And the most important thing in a marriage is not your children. And it's not how you're going to raise your children. It's how you're going to raise yourselves as mm. you are raising your children. That is the most important thing in a marriage. How are we going to stay married and stay a unit? And so by the end of this, we're together and we're not apart. That is the greatest challenge in a marriage. And yes, the enhancement of children in your life. There's nothing more in the world that I wanted to do than get married and have children. That to me was hundred, you know, ace the test. Yes. Married, have children. Boom. You passed life. And, and yes, it is really a very challenging thing to do. And when you realize it's not just us with our children and we're, we're a family. Okay. Okay. Great. Children are here and the couple is here up top. 
Children are below and the parents are up top. We are the family unit. Without us, there is no unit. Okay? Hold yourselves together. You guys are going to move out of the house. Mom, I love you. Bye, bye, bye. Then you're going to get married and build your own families. Yay! And who is left? Me and you, you and me, sweetheart. It's just us. And that's the most important thing in the family unit because without that, then it's just me without you and, and it's just them and us, and, yeah. right? But a lot of people actually put the children as a priority higher than the marriage. And that puts the marriage at risk. And then one partner usually feels that they're not a priority, which is true. And that the marriage isn't a priority, which is true. And only the children are a priority. But now we lost the family. Yeah. And so I think that it, it's a tremendous challenge and it puts a lot of strain on a relationship. And the result is the greatest of the highest of the best. But, but along the way, it's the greatest challenge. Totally. I mean, like you're saying, like the more you prioritize the marriage, so you'll actually be better parents to be able to give over yes. to the children more. Yes. Yes. And that's the gift. Like, oh, we want to raise better children. Good. Go out on date night. Oh, right. we want to raise better children. Good. Put the kids in front of a movie and sit down and have a conversation. Oh, we want to raise better children. Good. Send them out for a sleepover and have time just the two of you. Like right, do right. something to build your relationship and you will build your children. Totally. Totally. You know, you were mentioning before that a lot of this comes down to having the right tools to be able to, yes. you know, resolution conflict and any resources that you could recommend, whether it's books or, or anything else that you would recommend for a couple to say, you know, we really do need to, to work on that specific skill. Where would they go to? Anything by John Gottman, uh, mm. who... Uh, talks a lot about relationships. He has done research. He can tell you who stays together and how they stay together and why they stay together. He has all the scientific data and he has a, a, more than a dozen different books that you can go through. I think that those are um, extremely um, helpful. And also, um, oh, what's the other book about highly effective people, but they talk about raising highly effective children and Stephen Covey, maybe? Yeah. Is that the author? Yeah. Um, he also has some excellent books uh, about how to, to keep families together. Those are um, some of the best. But John Gottman really has, John and Julie have come up with um, incredible, incredible tools and resources. They have videos online. They outline things step-by-step, step, what to do and how to do it. What are the roadblocks? What are the challenges you're going to face and how to overcome them? Amazing. As we wrap up, any any final message on Shalom Bias, parenting, you know, the works. Okay. Uh, my, my full name is Aliza Bracha, joy and blessings. I love to give a blessing. And I would love to say may each and every one of you who is trying to build your family and your home and your marriage, may you be successful in doing that. May you use the tools and the resources that you have to get to the next level. May you have the energy to research, find out more tools and to bring them into your marriage and into your life. And may you continue to build yourself and your partner, because with the two of you together, you will be unstoppable and may you be extremely successful specifically this year. Oh, man. Oh, man. Wow. Beautiful. Thank you so much, so much for your time. It was incredible. So many incredible pearls of wisdom and enjoy your trip with your daughter. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of The Jews Next Door. I hope you enjoyed as much as I did. I'd love to hear your takeaways. Reach out to us. Reach out to me at yair at jenoff.org. Hi at jenoff.org. You can check us out on the website. You could leave a question there. We'd love to be in touch. Please be in touch. Check us out on Instagram at Parenting the Jews Next Door. 
hit me up on Twitter at Your Men Shell. And we got, we're on TikTok now too. We have some great content, a lot of really great insights into parenting, tips, parenting pointers, reaction videos, and quotes. We have a lot going on. We have a lot of articles. You want to check it out. Check it out at genoff.org. You won't be sorry you did. And I look forward to hearing from you. And if you haven't yet subscribed to the podcast, make sure you subscribe and share it with your family and friends. Looking forward to another great episode next week.